What is up, everybody? Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Granny's Peach Tea. This is episode 15, and if you can tell by the music, it's time for Mortal Kombat! Um, Friday night episode? Exactly. Wait. We'll cross them over. We'll do the Zemo. That's right. <laughs> Get over here! It's the Zemo Scorpion. It is the, it's the ultimate crossover that we've all been waiting for. It's the one we all wanted but didn't know we needed. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us from wherever it is. Uh, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or uh, Instagram. Thank you for joining our Friday night dance party, apparently, that, that we got started off with. We always dance on Fridays. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but it's into us, man. And yes, Frosty, that's right. He uh he joined into the uh, Mortal Kombat Friday night dance party on Granny's Peach Tea. We're all Rick did say Zemo will dance again, and he dances again on Granny's Peach Tea. <laughs> Every Friday. <laughs> Every Friday. I don't I don't know what it is, man. I mean, we might maybe we'll move it permanently to Friday and just call it like dance party. Or just totally rebrand the show. <laughs> Comic book dance party. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. Granny's disco tea. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we're hoping that uh, Tony will be joining us. He's uh, taking care of some work stuff. But right now, we got me and Jason uh, to hold you down. We got a lot to talk about, right? We got a a ton to talk about. Uh, You know, we got the apparently the new Mortal Kombat we're going to talk to. That's our uh, talk about. That's our movie of the week. Uh, we got the season finale of Invincible and of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we got our regular CW uh, episodes. Uh, pretty light week for CW, actually. It's only two episodes this week, which is super light for them. Um, it is. And I yeah. actually I thought it was just going to be one. I, I had texted you because uh, yeah. I didn't realize the, the, the baseball game was on. And I was like, wait a minute. Why isn't my DVR recording Supergirl? Do we not have <laughs> Supergirl this week? Yeah, I, I don't know when was the last time they've done one. Probably, honestly, since since we started the show with Batwoman. I think that was the last time CW had one uh, show running at, at one time. Yeah, I think so you're right. That's Batwoman. when everything was premiering. So. <laughs> of course. Well, you got you got to give the people what they want. Exactly. You can't hold back Batwoman from everybody. Especially <laughs> no, both no, you of us. Can't. <laughs> oh no no we love the batwoman here <laughs> we're, we're, we're all about it we're, we're definitely on the on the street team for for batwoman um we just but uh, all right, we, so... we just won't ever go into the uh we won't ever go into the parking lot where the crows park because it's the most dangerous part of gotham apparently exactly go anywhere else in gotham just do not go to the, crow, <laughs> the crows parking lot because the security company would definitely not keep you safe in their own parking lot <laughs> um but yeah, all right. So let's let's jump into it. Let's get into the CW verse of the week. Uh, Jason's uh, Jason, what's up, man? Tell us about Black Lightning season four, episode nine. All right, I I think overall this was a good episode. This, I mean, the the biggest push of this episode is Tobias really like uh like closing closing all these doors on the Pierce family. He gets uh I think the big Tobias thing is he gets. Um, what was what was this thing? He got uh, Lynn. I was reading her name. He gets he gets Lynn sort of fired yeah. from her job where she is uh, the researcher because it's now tied into the, um, the 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 investigation going on with yeah the Pierce embezzlement exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's like the big thing that he does throughout. 
Um, we get a little bit of Ishmael, who is the, uh, the, the, the assassin trying to get into the League of Assassins. He's stalking lightning, which I thought that was pretty cool, like him kind of watching and sort of taking notes almost mentally. Uh, I thought that mm -hmm. was nice. Uh, we get some more painkillers, so they really they really are layering in this painkiller um, sort of crossover. They're really hopefully you know setting setting us up for a good uh, a good transition if painkiller does come up. Um, we get uh, I think I think the the one thing I would say that this this show this episode uh, sort of missed the mark at was we get this whole elaborate thing where lightning is set up by the cops. Yeah. Right. Like, so in the beginning of the episode, lightning goes out to uh, meet with a friend, not a friend, but yeah, like a, a friend from, from school who doesn't know that what her secret identity is. And she does this promo with him on, you know, online to sort of get likes and hits and get donations to restore the money that was supposedly embezzled by Pierce. Um, and then the cops use that to set her up, but that kind of comes of nothing. She kind of just walks away from that without a problem. I thought that was going to be a bit more. Um, that, that sort of interaction, but that does lead to what the big sort of end off the big, uh, cliffhanger, which I thought was awesome, which, uh, you got Jennifer, um, flying home, lightning flying home from that. You have, uh, Anissa about to be hit by a car and you have Pierce who called that Ishmael, who was like, you know, come take your ass whooping, which is, I think yeah. a direct quote of what he tells him. Uh, mm -hmm. and he's about to get down. And Tobias like unleashes his big twist uh, for the, the cliffhanger, which is he does something that negates all of the Meta's powers in uh, in uh, in the town in the city. So like Jennifer starts falling, we don't know what happens to Anissa, and Lightning's about to have to fight a, a super like souped up assassin without his powers. So I think overall, really good episode. Yeah, and Anissa's about to get hit by uh, a damn a bus. Oh, was I that mean, a bus? Yeah, I thought no, it was, was it, a no, was it a bus, bus or was it? No, I'm sorry. What was it? It was a bus or a train? I, th I thought it was a car or a van or something. Oh like yeah, that. whatever it was. It was like, yeah, yeah. It was like all three of the all three of the Pierce of uh, uh, no, three of the four members of the Pierce family are about to essentially get killed, you know, because uh, Tobias negated their powers and also TC lost his power, so all the metas in Freeland are all completely like wiped out by whatever that device is that uh, that Tobias got a hold of. Um, did you feel like there was a like Tobias was at times maybe the mustache twirling, twirling like villain at, at, at one point in, in the episode? I felt like in the middle of it, he kind of that's how they kind of put him out to be. I could see that, but I mean, I guess he's always a bit over the top, so like, I yeah, which we love, you know, it wasn't it. Which yeah, which which absolutely. So I I didn't really think it was a big problem, but yeah, he was a bit no. mustachey twirling in the middle there. Uh, you know, but but again, I think like this is a mustachey twirling like season for him because it's like mm -hmm. I'm going to assassinate the mayor. I'm going to become the mayor. <laughs> I'm going to use the mayor's powers to destroy my enemies. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's been something that's been building, right? You're going into your last season. Tobias finally is going to be like, screw this. I'm taking the Pierce family on head on and, and he's executing his plan, you know, to the fullest. So, I mean, I'm not saying that as a complaint. I just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of hit me when I was watching the episode. It was just like, man, like, th that's just kind of what I saw him as. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But no, I like him. He's three episodes, he's three episodes away from tying Lynn or Jennifer to the train tracks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like... uh, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, it's like, whatever. I, I don't, I, I don't care. Hey. Again, all last uh, season, go all out. 
that's it. Go go crazy. I mean, why not? This is this is them that like shoot for the freaking shoot for the skies. Yeah, but I also don't mind. I actually really like the fact. I don't want to say I don't mind. I like the fact that they are incorporating painkiller into the story. So now it feels like his backdoor pilot was not just completely out of left field and unnecessary. Because if we never saw him again, like we had mentioned, it would have been, all right, that's cool. We get what you guys are doing. But now they've incorporated him into the story. So it seems more of like an organic thing that kind of like ties in. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like I kind of would have been disappointed if it was just the backdoor pilot and we don't see painkiller again until his own show. But the mm -hmm. fact that um, you saw the backdoor pilot, but now he's still a, a big part of of these last the, the episodes, yeah. the two episodes after that. You know, he's he's helping the Pierces. He's going. He had a great action scene. Uh, yeah. You know, where he walks in uh, to talk to the guy. And I, I really enjoy the back and forth he has in his mind of like you know when it's painkiller who's putting the putting the nails to the the, the enemies and you just see mm -hmm. him in the background like hey um I can't you, you can't get information from a dead guy you know and yeah. like that was a really cool scene and then like they get the information and painkiller kills him and he goes I proved you wrong you can get the information from a dead guy like so I I really think that their use of him is wonderful and it, you're right it's very organic and I hope I hope he continues and then the spinoff organically sort of goes on you know what I mean like I hope it works like that because I think that's the way to make this spinoff successful. Yeah, and I agree, and I and I think if if he if it plays out the way it's playing out for the rest of the season, I would be more on board with this potential painkiller spinoff that I know they're hoping that it gets picked up. There's been nothing official yet, but if they just, I mean, I think that they the way they've used him this season has been really cool. Like I've never disliked the character, but I feel like it's even better. This time around, they, the more the split personality type thing, talking to him when he's talking to villains, even the villains are like, who is he talking to? Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're even fearing him even more at this point. Right. Agreed. Like, I, I've always liked the character, but they've never given him much to do outside yeah. of like, you know, like you're dealing with the fact that you're unhappy that you lost your your legs, or then now you now you're indebted to 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 Tobias, and and now we're controlling you. Like it's always been a one note thing, but this is they're really giving him a lot to do, and it's more than a one note thing. And uh, you know, I think I agree with you. The way they're using him is just perfect in this season. Wow, so I'm I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. And I, I mean, the cliffhanger that left us off on. <clears throat> Pretty nuts. I mean, the fact that in the three horrible situations, and even actually that scene with Lynn uh, when she gets arrested and she goes through. Oh like, my the god! Whole I can't believe I missed that crazy. scene. Yeah. 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 I think I, I think I blocked that scene out because it was kind of harrowing to watch when, like, watching her brought in and then they 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 you know sort of they search her and mm -hmm. then. Just and the cold way the the police officer is sort of like, okay, now take your clothes off, and and, and she starts to cry, and you actually see the woman get down there with the flashlight to yeah. do the cavity search. Like it was it was harrowing to watch. I think I I didn't I didn't take a note about it, and I think I didn't uh, remember <laughs> it because I kind of wanted to block it out. But it was it was very powerful. You're right. It was probably the the most powerful of the four like cliffhangers that was going on for the family. Yeah, and I kept on wondering. I'm like telling myself, this show is on CW. How far are they going to go with this? Like, because they kept going, right, and going and going, and I'm like, you're going to start getting like tricky camera angles here. Like, where where is this going to end with this? Right, right. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. It's like, how far are you going to take this? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like an HBO show or something like that. Forget it. They would have went like all in. It would have got like oh, I, pretty pretty graphic. Yeah, which I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's really there's really no need for that. All right, so we'll uh, we'll see where Black Lightning uh, heads up next week. Because I'm um, yeah, they're actually on next week. So there's a lot of shows on next week for CW. Uh, but let's move on no, to we're, we're Supergirl. Oh, we are we are definitely on next week. There, there's a lot going on. Uh, so Supergirl season six episode five. Um, I kind of felt this was an episode that I thought had a lot of potential to do some really cool stuff, but I still, I mean, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the term filler again for it because the cliffhanger at the end with the, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the name right now, but the character who's going ahead and like rounding people up for like his intergalactic zoo and everything. Yeah, the zoo, like, zoo guy. The, he looks like. He looks like an Andorian from Star Trek, but he's not because it's not Star Trek. But that's what he looks like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of why I guess it's not really a filler episode. But we get mostly a uh, – well, we do get a Supergirl-less Supergirl episode, uh, even though we get younger yes. Cara Danvers and younger uh, Alex Danvers, which, by the way, the casting for both of those actresses to play younger versions of, of Cara and uh, Alex – Spot on. I think this this is the oh, fantastic. This is the second time they've used these actresses to portray younger versions of uh, Kara and Alex, and they're really spot on down to the face, facial expressions, mannerisms. I feel like it's like really, really incredible. I, I'm always blown away by it when when student, when uh, shows can do that or movies can do that. Uh, but they were fantastic, and it's funny because it's. It's a it's a Supergirlless episode, but it doesn't feel like it because the girl who plays Supergirl, Cara Danvers, like as a kid, looks mm -hmm. and acts so much like Melissa Benoist does. Like she really captures it that you you almost get fooled into to thinking like she was in the episode when she wasn't. Yeah, no, no, I I, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, so we get a lot of Rainy with his continuing uh, stress eating and stuff like that, and. He has some cool stuff, and I thought it was just kind of funny how they're going back in time to 2009. I'm like, wow, was it that long? That long ago, really? Are we talking about like different? Yeah. It wasn't that. It was it really that different? I, I mean, I don't think so, but I lived through it. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was it's just like I was old then, and I'm old now. <laughs> same here, dude. Same here. It's just it, it's <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, but I think the episode overall was. It was okay. I I, I kind of want Supergirl to get out of the damn Phantom Zone already. And I know this coming on here, and I say this every single week. Get her out of the Phantom Zone already. Let's get her going. Lex is still out there. Like, let's just get to the like meat of the show, like the meat and potatoes of the show. I kind of feel like they're just like dragging some, dragging this whole Supergirl in the Phantom Zone out. You know what? This season, after this episode, this season strikes me as like a season written around the fact that Melissa Benoist is off doing something else. And I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying that's how it feels. Fair like, because we, it, up until this episode, we have her in the Phantom Zone exclusively just acting off like the two characters they had in the Phantom Zone and the Phantoms, right? Mm -hmm. And her team is doing something completely different on Earth. And then we get this episode which, and I was thinking, like, oh, that's this seems like a fun filler until then. Wait, no, it's a to be continued. We're having a whole like plot line, a whole arc in 2009 without Melissa Benoist as Supergirl in a show called Supergirl. 
Um, it, 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 so then she's not even in this one. She's likely not going to be in the next one. Like it, she's definitely at least not going to be facing off and acting on the rest of the cast. So it kind of reminds me of that season of How I Met Your Mother when uh, the, the guy who plays Marshall, Jason Siegel, it mm -hmm. like was doing a movie, and so like all of his scenes were were completely away from the group because he couldn't film with them, and it was all with these extras and different people and doing different things and. That's what at this point this feels like. So I wouldn't be surprised if Melissa Benoist is off doing something else. Uh, but I think it's like I think it's a poor choice for a last season. Like you you want to end yeah. strong. And, and I'm I'm like I'm a ending season four of my Supergirl catch up, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like I I've just gotten to the Lex stuff, and I gotta tell you, like seasons two, three, and four, are strong seasons. There's some really yeah. good stuff that go on there. And so to see that like this the last season kind of fizzle out with this like Supergirl's not around thing, it, it kind of feels disappointed. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I there's been seasons where like with the CW verse, each season, um, I used to like compare, like, hey, who had the best season? Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Black Lightning, kind of like rank the shows against each other each season. And there were there were a couple of seasons of the probably ones you mentioned where I'm like, you know something? As much as I liked Arrow and Flash and everything, I think Supergirl has had the the best season out of out of all the CW shows. I I can see that this fourth season where Lex comes in, and it's not even and actually why I like the season isn't even Lex. Like they're doing some really interesting parallels and allegories with the the aliens as immigrants and the anti-immigration mm -hmm. stance and and how that frenzy can sort of be caught up in the government, how people can really get hurt. Like they're doing some really intelligent social commentary in that season. So like I, I can see that. Like I've watched The Flash. I'm not going back to Arrow. Uh, but mm -hmm. I could like I think this season of Supergirl is one of the best CW seasons I've experienced in this you know in all of the watching I've been doing. So I can completely see why why you would say that. Yeah, and, I, and I'm curious to see how you feel uh, once you once you catch up to this. But yeah, hopefully that the you know it starts to pick up and whatever. I don't even know if she was working on another project or not, or maybe it's just due to COVID or something like that. Where because I know they filmed this throughout last year, so. Maybe something was oh, going okay. on like that. I don't know. I, I actually have no idea. I'm just taking guesses here. Um, yeah. But I, I guess I guess we'll see. I just would like to see the big resolution because, you know, they've made it clear Lex is like the big bad of that show right now. So And he's out on the loose. So I would like to see Supergirl, Lex square off, you know, the characters right. together enough of these like rinky-dink, like wonky, weird storylines and stuff like that that they're going with. But... Yeah, I guess we'll we'll see where it goes. Um, but a show that did, I felt, and uh, you know, wrapped up on a very strong note, uh, was Invincible. Uh, if you haven't been watching Invincible, you really should. Number one, uh, probably not listen to the segment because this is a spoil the shit out of it for you. Uh, as we get this, brand, I will break, briefly talk about episode seven and then the finale actually dropped earlier today. And we before we get into that. We're going to put up the spoiler warning on the bottom. Yeah. So just in case you do not want to be spoiled for the Invincible Season 1 finale that dropped today on Amazon Prime, check us out another time. We don't want you to just disappear forever into the Phantom Zone with Kara. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, come back and check us out once you've had a chance to watch the episode. So you have been forewarned. So, um, Jason, I'm really interested to see what you were thinking because I know you've kind of been like – so so with Invincible throughout the season, you know, for I've, various reasons. 
Yeah, I've um, I've been up and down. Like I uh, the first the first episode, I texted you I was out. I don't know, and then uh, you convinced me to give it another shot, and you and I did. And then I I was like, okay, no, I'm kind of gro- this show's growing on me. And then I had episodes that I really liked, and then I had episodes that I was kind of bored with. Uh, but these episodes seven and eight. I thought were the best episodes of this show. They were great episodes. I was they really were. Uh, I was I was interested. I was riveted. Um, I there was it captured some emotion for me, which I've said on the this show many times. I have a hard time getting emotional or being, you know, having that elicited from me from a cartoon. It's just it's just my my preference. You know, nothing wrong with cartoons. It's just not 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 doesn't usually do it for me. But uh, but there was some stuff in these these two episodes that that really hit me, especially the this the this last episode, this eighth episode, um, with with Omni Man. I don't, I know I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything yet. I'll I'll let you talk first because I know we go. No, no, go ahead. Order. No, no, so, Jason, spoil away. We're not we're not going to deep dive. Okay, we're not going to do our Falcon and Winter Soldier okay. version of us. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure. So, like the the end, like when when Omni Man and Invincible have the conversation. So the way, so seven real quick is they realize Omni Man. They know. I mean, they've known. The government has known Omni Man has you know killed the Guardians of the Globe. You know, I like the show because I'm starting to remember the the names of things now. Um, <laughs> and uh, pretty much, like he has that that fight with his wife, and then he leaves, and they get his wife. And it's pretty much like, okay, we know what he's doing, and now we have to stop him. And they just throw everything and they put the kitchen sink at this guy. Like, they give him an alien that he's fought before, and they've given it steroids. And and they're just like, they're literally raining, like, destruction down on him just to slow him down a quarter of an inch. Like, it's this crazy thing. And it ends with him killing, uh, we get, like... The resurrection of um, immortal. What, what's millennial man? Immortal, the immortal. That's it. Immortal, not so which immortal. I thought was this, not so immortal. Which I love though, because it's the mall. The twins are bringing back, and they have this yeah. collar on them. That, that and this has to do with like the the the. I said when I say warlock, because that that thing reminds me of warlock from the New Mutants. But uh, the robot story, where the robot like his, his whole thing was he was getting a body made for him because he's got the hots for. The, the little girl who is the uh, turns into the monster, monster, monster girl. girl. Um, yeah. But so they they think that they've gotten this control collar and they they resurrect the immortal and they put it on them and they go, we command you to do this and he just rips it off and like goes after Omni Man. It was a very funny moment. <laughs> um, and then yeah, Omni Man and him fight it out. He literally like tears immortal in two it ends with i said that and that was a cool fight i don't really like gore in cartoons but i thought that was a cool fight and then him and invincible have that moment of we need to talk and then when they talk and they fight and he's telling them you know i could just i can have another kid in 17 years i loved your mother like a pet I I that I got some feelings from that because brutal because I don't think it was brutal but I also think I don't think he's telling the truth obviously because of how yeah. the, the episode ends mm-hmm. you know and so the the seeing the conflict in Omni Man and and hearing him say that and then the car the, I think the art was really well done in showing like ways that he betrayed that in his face that I thought was pitch perfect so I thought these two episodes are fantastic yeah and the way that he um... Yeah, I mean, you, you covered episode seven, I mean, really well. And it was it was a very powerful episode, too. But with, uh, yeah, with episode eight, though, I think eight even tops episode seven and how, how great it was. Um, 
But yeah, hearing him tell, yeah, exactly, telling uh, Mark, uh, who was invincible, Mark Grayson, um, that, yeah, you know, I didn't, you know, your mother being a pet, and then you see his mother hears that at the same time, and he yeah. loses it, and he starts wailing on him, and even, like, Omni-Man's tossing him around, like, please stop, like, you know, you're going to do this. But then we found out, find out from Omni-Man that the um, Viltrumites are who both of us thought they were the whole time. That it wasn't this whole mm -hmm. go to yep. a planet and protect it. Go to a planet and pretty much tell them, uh, join our join our uh, kingdom or whatever it was, and you're gonna go ahead and we're just gonna take over. Pretty much that's it, and destroy the weak. That whole thing about the Viltrumites and like the strong taking down only the you know the survival of the fittest essentially, where the strong took right. down the weak and everything like that. That was pretty nuts. Seeing that. And having them go all out and, and do that, and that whole fight that was going on between Invincible and Omni Man the whole time, and then like Omni Man's beating up crap out of, out of oh Invincible. I mean, teeth missing, blood everywhere, blah blah blah. And then he stops and starts thinking about him seeing Mark play in Little League, you know, yes, and, and it was the that missing it kind tooth. of humanizes. It was the missing tooth that got him to think about mm -hmm. that because Mark was growing in his teeth at that time. And it it made it snapped him out of it and made him stop and he kind of just you know it, it it touches whatever part of humanity he had in him that he was in complete denial of right and and you know has and, mercy on his own son yeah and I I think like as I said I'm not crazy about the gore I liked the fact that he was bloody and teeth missing. I didn't think it was gratuitous. I think in that moment, it was yeah. really important for what was going on because the audience needed to see that, you know, Omni-Man is beating his son to death. Like, that's what he is yeah. set out to do. And then he has that moment, and then he flies away. And and I think... And and we also get a nice wrap-up with uh, the Seth Rogen character who comes back. Yes, uh, and yes. Says like, hey, sorry, you know, when I went back, my planet told me that you had a Viltrumite living here. I shouldn't be messing with that, but you know, you got to be careful because this is who they are. And and I thought that was that was a cool scene. And and he he reinforces. Um, I don't because I think Invincible asked him like, well, what happens when a Viltrumite uh, runs or so? It comes up somehow, and he was like, yeah. you know, I've never I've never heard of a Viltrumite leaving their post. This is the first time I've ever heard of it, and so I think that that that's also really important because it goes to show that. Living on this planet, being with that woman, having his son, it has gotten to Omni-Man. He does have this human side. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I was liking about the show. So I think that's why I like this episode so much, because it really showcased it. And I really, really hope in the second season they do more with that. Yeah, and we also get, um, I was also just thinking about the fight, too, between Invincible and Omni-Man. When he takes Invincible and puts him through a, a, a fucking train... And all those people oh, yeah. that he's oh. slaughtering and stuff like that. He's slaughtering oh my God, humans yes. left and right. That was completely nuts, man. Like, really crazy shit there. Yeah. And, and, and I think and, this... And again, he was... No, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it, it kind of... Uh, did you see the movie Brightburn by any chance? I haven't. I've always meant to, but I, but I haven't watched it yet. Well, I'm not gonna I know what it's it about. Maybe maybe coming soon on Granny's PC, we'll talk about this. Uh, but oh, yeah, go ahead. That's definitely a movie we should. Yeah, um, essentially, yeah, well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, essentially it's the, and this kind of reminds me of Omni-Man in a way. What if Superman decided, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just going to be an asshole. Like, I'm, I, right. I just yeah, decided I'm not going to be good. It's Superman going, fuck everyone, I'm going to do what I want. Right? Yeah, with the same power set, essentially. 
Yeah, right. Which is scary, which is a crazy thing because Superman oh, is completely overpowered. Yeah, so. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty brutal with the whole train thing and everything like that, but really, really cool on the, on the same side. And you also got to see the Guardians of Globe who kept their blood on from the original team on the wall and then Re Rexplode goes and starts wiping it down and it's kind of like an urn thing. It's like, screw this. We did a whole bunch of work. We've worked our asses off of this. We're the Guardians of the Globe now. Let's let's clean this thing off. We don't need this reminder anymore. You know, it, it's time to move on. And then we get a lot of the different characters getting like what they're doing or where they're going to be heading right now as the season winds down. I thought that was that was also pr pretty damn cool. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely cool. I also really liked the just jumping back when Omni Man's looking for for Mark and uh, his friend comes down and he just like he he goes to the car and he's like. Where, where's Mark? You're supposed to you're supposed to bring him home. And it's like, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, he's. Like, I just thought that was funny because obviously, like Mark's dad is Omni Man who's gone crazy. But like, uh -huh. this is also my friend's dad who I've known for years. But I, like, I just really appreciated that interaction. I thought it was awkwardly funny in a very realistic way. <laughs> <laughs> so I just didn't want to let the, yeah, yeah, Omni Man is a serious. chilling character when he's pissed off, man. He really is. Oh my god! Like, uh, and again, like that was really good on on uh, J.K. Simmons and the voice, and really good on the 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 cartooning, the the artistry, because it really it comes across, and and it comes across to me as someone who is not a big lover of these types of cartoons. So uh, that's why, again, I want to I want to you know say that I the fact that I love these two, I think, says a lot about how good they are. So I guess my overall thoughts on the season, uh, season one of Invincible. So now that it's it's wrapped, and it, the news did come out uh, yesterday that Amazon Prime has decided to pick up, uh, renew, renew or pick up, whatever you want to call it, uh, Invincible for season two and season three. So we know now that we're gonna, you know, get more of the show. Um, I enjoy it, man. I think it was only the one episode where they went on the campus where I was kind of like, eh, this is okay. I, I really enjoyed a lot of the episodes, especially upon like a rewatch. Because sometimes I will go back and rewatch the episode before we come on here to get more of a, a feeling for it. But I think as the season went on, I really started to find a flavor and a, like a, a good a taste for this show. Even though I, I know the the gratuitous violence and animation, I, I guess I'm so so on it. I mean, um, we're going to also talk about Mortal Kombat later, which they have an animated movie. Which I mean, you can. I don't know how you'll feel about watching that one, but it's. I'd probably bonkers. hate it to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's completely bonkers with it. But it fits for Mortal Kombat. If you're gonna do Mortal Kombat, you do Mortal Kombat. That, and actually, you know what? That's why I'm going to amend what I said because when I walk in, like I played, I own Mortal Kombat on the Sega Genesis specifically because that's where the blood was. So, like, if I'm walking into a Mortal Kombat, I know what to expect. You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either do it or do it right. Don't do it where it's like with no blood and it just looks weird. People are getting their heads ripped off and things like that, and like there's nothing. But we can. Uh, what did you think of the, the season as a whole for Invincible? Um, I like it was hit or miss for me. Like, um, okay. I I didn't like the first episode, uh, mostly because I felt the Guardians of the Globe were too much of a ripoff of the Justice League. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure that's the point. Again, this 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 was written in 2004, so this was written for a very different time in comic book. You know, the comic book spectrum. 
Um, but then, like, I did like the next two episodes after that. And and it was, you know, there were things I liked about it, things I weren't. I really wasn't always crazy about uh, Invincible himself. Sometimes I liked him, sometimes I didn't. I didn't really care for his, like, romance thing. Like, I, I that kind of bored me. Um, the, I liked the new Guardians of the Globe so, uh, most of the time. I really yeah. like Rexplode. I think Rex Float yes. <laughs> is fucking hysterical. Yes. Um you know, I, I so so it was hit or miss for me, but I think overall, I think it's a it's a it's worth watching. It's worth watching. I think my biggest problem with if I had to if I say one big problem with the season is I think they didn't did not do as much with Damien Darkblood as they could have. That was a super interesting character that kind of came to nothing and they got rid of him for very little reason. So like he didn't even have to exist in the show and and the same purpose we would have gotten to the end the same way um and I, and I thought he was a compelling character so I think that's why I'm focusing on that uh but yeah I think overall I think it's worth watching uh again there were parts I didn't like there were parts I did but when you get to the these last these last two episodes um it's really strong and even even the episodes that I didn't think were great tie in like even that episode where they're on the college campus, like there's a part either in seven or eight, I don't remember because I watched them fairly close to each other, um, where you see the government is using that technology of like those cycloptic robots. Yeah, they are. Like as a way, I think that's one of the things they throw at Omni Man. So I think it's kind of cool that even the episodes I wasn't crazy about had an effect on this episode is kind of like, okay, well, at least something was learned in this episode by the government and the callback to it. So so overall, I do think it's definitely worth watching if you like this kind of stuff, like superhero stuff. Yeah, and and the, I know I wrote to somebody, I believe it was, um, was it Mark or I think it was Mark on our, on our Facebook page. Um, or no, maybe not Mark. It was actually somebody else. I believe it was uh, Anthony. Um, yeah, if you like the boys, and that's and that's kind of like your thing, I would definitely recommend Invincible. Uh, but my, I think it, it's similar in some in some tone, and definitely in violence. But the boys just gets a lot crazier. Like when it, go, it, it goes to some really really crazy bizarre places that uh, Invincible has not gone. I mean, the only way Invincible could have maybe slightly suggested it was. When Rex Blood had the threesome with Duplicate, you know, and that was pretty much it. I mean, that was the only like kind of weird thing. Otherwise, everything else was just kind of like either so, violent or kind of straight up. So you're saying The Boys is one of those sexy shows? Yeah, uh, it, it definitely takes some of its. Uh, there's some cringeworthy stuff in there. Put it that way. That has to do with uh, with sex. And I I still say I cannot wait until you and Tony watch the boys and the reactions that are going to come out of you guys is going to be priceless. Uh, so let let me ask you this question. So I'm almost done with Supergirl, right? So here are my here's my options after Supergirl. I either go back and I watch the Legends of Tomorrow, or I catch up on the boys. Which do you? Which would you prefer me to catch up on first? Um, for the sake of the show, I'm going to say Legends because Legends actually starts on Sunday. Okay. So next week we're going to be talking right. about Legends. But once the CW wraps, you need to go to the boys. And I think we might have to have I – would, I, I would like to see you and Tony. I wish you guys watched it at the same pace so we can have a brief segment of us just talking <laughs> about what, what your reactions were for that week and what you watched of the week. 
maybe maybe we will since the schedule is going to lighten up a little bit uh with some of the tv shows um all right so so i'm going to hold off on the boys till we get there yeah hold (laughs) off on to it i i I think legends is the way to go right now legends if you've seen the trailers is completely insane to begin with and it looks like they're just going to keep pushing the boundaries on their own insanity but they're only their cw though they can't go as crazy as the boys has gone um all right but there was a pretty pretty huge finale that also dropped last Friday, along with our movie of the week. Oh. Uh, and what, that what was, was that finale. I, I, what was that? I don't know. I'm not familiar with this. Uh, I was think it? it was exactly Zemo. Dan- no, Zemo did not dance again. Zemo had <laughs> something Zemo to do, though. I'll tell you party. <laughs> oh, he yes, does. He's had a great, great, great moment. He definitely does. Um, so let's let's jump into this. We like to do our breakdown of uh, the MCU shows, so we'll go uh, beat by beat and and discuss each of them. So let's let's get to that. Um, so the episode took wasted no time. It jumped right into the action immediately. This is a really action packed episode, uh, which kind of like what we got in the Wandavision finale. You know, it very much felt like it was a um, third act of an MCU movie. That's kind of what I thought we got here too. Like they, whether intentional or not, we got the third act of a of a Marvel film uh, that was here. Not a complaint, but just kind of what you know how it played out. At least that's how, that's how I took it. Um, so the Flag Smashers have the GRC surrounded uh, while Sam is flying in. So we kind of see the GRC surrounded where they left off the last episode, and little clips of wings flying in and stuff. We we all know what what was going down. We knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Sam, you know, Bucky meets up with Sharon on site because then all of a sudden Sam tells them on the comms, tells Bucky, hey, I called him for some backup. And then Sharon pulls off one of those mask things, kind of like Black Widow used in uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, so she's there on site to help out with the GRC. Um, and then Sam goes ahead and you see the shield come flying in, crashing in through the window. Knocks out a uh, one of the flag smashers, and boom, he comes busting in. We see him in all his glory, and someone even asks him, "Who are you?" He's like, "I'm Captain America." Bam! Yep. Officially, uh, Sam Wilson, Captain awesome. America. What a moment! Was, I didn't, I didn't think it was gonna happen. Like I thought, if it was gonna happen in that episode, it would happen at the end. I'm so glad it happened in the beginning because God, you see it, and his his suit looks awesome, and like he just he's holding himself like in that role, and like we've spent like you know this whole series this whole series sort of wanting him to do this and and pushing for him to do this and seeing him just come in and proclaim himself Captain America. This was an awesome moment for me. I really enjoyed it. It was like a goosebumps moment, honestly. That, that's kind of yeah. how it hit me. I was just like, yes. And, it, and it's so crazy that the MCU finds ways to do that, even though we know what's coming. We know what we're getting, but then right. once you actually see it, you're like, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty awesome stuff there. Um, but then Sam quickly goes ahead and faces off with Batroc because Batroc was there with the Flag Smashers and stuff, and he kind of he shows up and he makes some comment about, like, uh, oh, you know, I wonder what I can get on the, uh, I guess, the black market for your new bird bird costume. And Sam replies, you know, yeah, maybe some French fries or croissant or some some crap like that. And then they, they get into fighting, like, right away. So we got Batrack fighting another Captain America, you know, immediately and, and eventually losing to another Captain America. What is this? Okay. 
Um, and yeah, and so I love, I love that the, I love that the MCU gets all this use out of Batroc. Batroc is a guy that I've maybe seen in one comic book that mm -hmm. I only really know because I bought his action figure to get a, a piece of a bigger action figure I was trying to build. <laughs> And, and and I think the character, like, and then I did some research on the character. I looked him up and I was like, oh, he's pretty cool. You know, he was like one of these D-grade villains. But the fact that the MCU gets so much use out of this guy, I think is awesome. It's pretty awesome. And they cast, like, uh, George, George St. Pierre from the UFC to make the fight scenes look better. I, I kind of, I dig that when they do that in shows and movies where you get the actual real fighter to fight and to act along, you know, and to choreograph a fight with an actor. Because I think it kind of just it plays out better. Like it just looks smoother, it looks fresher. It's 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 something I'm, I'm pretty into. I know the Rockies movies have done that as well. They sort of cast some boxers as their villains, eventually, and it, I think it, it pays off big time. Uh, so then we see, you know, the GRC is getting cleared out and everything. Uh, they're trying to get them all to safety, uh, but then Carly calls one of them, and uh, well, I guess she's with the flag smashes. Passes Bucky a phone, and Carly M Morgenthau is talking to Bucky. Pretty much saying, you know, trying to convince him, like, hey, you know, you're on the wrong side and things like that. And Bucky's telling her back, um, you know, I've been there. I've, I've killed all these innocent people over time. Trust me, the nightmares don't go away. You see the faces. Uh, you know, you shouldn't do it. You should reconsider. And they're back and forth. But by the end of the call, Carly says, oh, yeah, you know, you've been a big help. Pretty much making sure that she, can, she was just stalling Bucky the entire time. And then Sharon makes the comment, like, Bucky, you only had one job. Like, what the hell are you doing? So he's racing yeah. to get out of there and, and, jump, <laughs> yeah. and jump on his, his motorcycle to go ahead and track them down. Okay. So it was actually a pretty uh, – a deep, interesting moment with what Bucky was saying, but also, you know, the humor comes in at the end of it with Sharon. Right, exactly. But I, And I also think it really is uh, – it's very Bucky in this moment because he's a guy who's trying to get away from his past. And so – you know, he 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 thinks he can sort of convince her to leave her path and and do what he's doing. So of course he's going to jump at it because we know Bucky's the guy that. Well, if I can help you, if you're help helpable, I'm helpable. You know, uh, yeah. so it completely made sense. It wasn't like the you know Sam forgot to turn his phone off moment we had a couple episodes no. <laughs> ago. It was a moment that completely made sense in the character that he would let himself be duped in such an obvious way because that's his blind spot. Yeah, exactly. No, you're 100% right. So it totally makes sense for the character you know, to go that route. Uh, so then there, Sam is fighting Batroc, and then he pretty much is like, listen, I know there's these, uh, some of the hostages are being taken on helicopters, and uh, one of them is on a helicopter. No, there's a group on a helicopter, and there's two that are in paddy wagons. So Bucky's going after the paddy wagons to try to free them. And then Sam takes his shield, breaks out of there, and I think he says, like, au revoir, and he, he leaves. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I love it's, that he pieces he pieces out without ending that fight. He's like, "You're not worth it, buddy. I'm out of here." Exactly, you're Batrock. I gotta go save some people. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you later. Like, it's kind of shit. You will never be way. the right? you will never yeah. be the main villain of a movie. Get out of here. So, so, but then we see Sam, you know, like flying in using the whole, you know, his new wings because his Captain America suit's got the wings and it's kind of like a combo. Thing, which I really, really dug. Like, I, I love the fact that he has his own, you know, he doesn't have super soldier serum, which he does say later in the episode, but he has his own power set. You know, he has, he is his yeah. own Captain America. You know, he has a jet pack. He has Red Wing, which we find out. He has those, you know, other things. There's all these crazy gadgets that he got from his, like, Wakanda main 
because uh, we're assuming Shuri probably made the suit for him. So it's got all these bells and whistles that are that are really awesome, and it kind of levels the playing field throughout the episode for him facing off against super soldiers because a lot of people have wondered, oh, you know, how is the Captain America if he doesn't have the super soldiers yet? Well, he's showing you how he, he can go toe-to-toe and be his own Captain America. Right, yeah, and I really appreciated that. I was wondering how they were going to do that. I've never actually read any comics with uh, Sam as Captain America, so mm-hmm. I didn't know if in the comics he kept his wings or not. And I, okay. I and you know what? I didn't want to know. I wanted to find out what they did here. And so getting seeing him with his wings and the shield, I thought it made complete sense because, as you said, he doesn't take the super soldier serum. He needs something to make him... Uh, sort of a cut above the rest, and this is his skill set. This is his wheelhouse. Like this, he is the Falcon. Why not use those powers in being Captain America when that is what you're good at? So I really enjoyed that they kind of made him his own version of Captain America, especially because like I have read comics where other people have done the Iron Man suit, uh, mm-hmm. like Secret Wars. Rhodey, I've read. Anyone who's read Secret Wars. That's not Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit. That's Rhodey. But you wouldn't know because they all sort of are just whoever's in the Iron Man suit is just Iron Man. So I like that this incarnation of Captain America is different and original. Yeah, and, and absolutely. It's, it's important in, like, in so many ways. But as, even in this power set, it's, it, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so then Carly pretty much tells uh, one of the Flag Smashers, she gathers them around by this like construction site, and she's telling them, like, listen – we might have to die. We might have to go all, you know, we just might have to sacrifice ourselves, and this is it. We might have to start killing some hostages to get our point across. And then you can kind of see that they're all like, all right, like we saw a couple episodes ago, they give her a look when she's like, oh, yeah, one world, and they're just looking at her. And she gets pissed off, and she even says, one world again. And there's still a long pause, and they're like, oh, yeah, one people. One people. So Carly's, like, gone off the reservation at this point. I mean, she had... I think we both agree. We, we understand where her and the Flag Smashers, their concept is coming from, but you start losing people when you're like, hey, we're going to start killing innocents and stuff like that to get right. our point across, and that's what makes you – that's what turns you into a villain, essentially. Yeah. She's a Magneto type. Like, you know, no one looks at Magneto and says – well, I mean, no one who's uh, on the side of good guys looks at Magneto and says – Oh yeah, he's wrong for wanting mutants to have equal rights and not be murdered in the streets. Uh, yeah. But you know, Magneto takes it to a way where it's like, okay, no, 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 we are superior. We're going to kill those who aren't with us. And I think that's what Carly Mor- Morgenthau is going through, right? Like it's the Magneto thing. It's like you have a good idea. We understand where you're coming from. You're just taking it to such an extreme that you have to be villainous to get behind what you're doing. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. So then Sam goes ahead and he, he engages uh, one of the Flag Smashers. And then uh, then John Walker shows up on the scene with his Ford shield, with his, you know, back in his <laughs> Captain America suit. Yeah, it's just... His, and His shield? <laughs> Sorry. His shield, no, that's great because it's the truth. His shield is a joke in this and he sees it fast. He flings he his does. shield. Carly kicks it away like it's a freaking tin, like a piece of tin foil. He sees that, but I know there's one point where he's fighting some of the flag smashers, and I guess on his side of the shield, though, was the uh, I guess it was Lamar's, um, you know, medal, his his uh, mm. his badge, I guess. And he sees it. You can see it motivates him to keep on going. I guess that's why he put it there to keep on keep his motivation going. And then Carly also says when he shows up, "Oh, I didn't mean to kill him. 
you know, he, I, I don't mean to kill people that are insignificant, you know, to my, you know, to my cause or whatever. And he's like, what? Lamar's life was insignificant? She's like, well, what, not to my cause. And that's when he snaps and starts going like ape shit yeah. on, on the flag smashes. And I think that's a moment where you're kind of starting to get on the side of John Walker a bit. Now you're kind of like, all right. I mean, personally, so I'm like, damn, dude, like your, your best friend who got killed in action, who that's why you snapped before, because you can clearly see throughout this episode too, he has moments where he snaps because uh, he's just, you know, he, he's, I still think it has a lot to do with the PTSD from whatever they went through in Afghanistan, which I would hoping that we do get to, at some point in the MCU, whatever form it's in, mm-hmm. uh, I would hope that they touch on that story because I think this is uh, some interesting stuff there. Um, so yeah, so but then yeah, his his shield gets kicked away and gets the crap beat out of it and thrown away like that, and you see it all dented up and beat down, and it's it's pretty much the end of his forged shield of metal that he tried to do. And there's a point where he throws it too. And it doesn't retract back, you know. It doesn't right. not obey the laws of <laughs> physics, and he's just kind of like, "Oh God, like what the hell is this thing?" <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, he's the stuff with his shield is funny because I'm thinking, like, what metal could it possibly made be made of? Like iron, yeah. steel, maybe. Like, what could you? What metal could you get your hands on and make <laughs> it in your 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 basement? You know. Um, but I do have. To, I do want to give it to John Walker. He does have. A moment of redemption. I do think you're right that the the writers wanted us to kind of get back on his side here because he has a moment where he could continue to fight with the flag smashers or the bus full of the uh, the the people the um the hostages are about, is about to go over mm-hmm. and he does try to pull it back and he does sort of work with uh try to tries to work with Bucky and Sam to to start saving people and I think that was like a that was like a okay. This is a redemptive moment. Yes, he killed someone in cold blood, but I think, as you said, like there's some possible PTSD. There's some possible issues that we don't know exactly what causes him to go off like that. Um, mm-hmm. But his heart is at least in the right place. When push comes to shove, he's not going to let a boat full of or a van full of innocent people die. And I think that was a nice moment for him. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it really is, and they they definitely pick their spots perfectly because you're right. He's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna rescue people. I'm gonna work with Bucky, and then I thought it was something that was really crazy too, though, is that Sam shows up, right? And can you know because I, Bucky and Bucky and Walker are fighting with the Flag Smashers, and Sam shows up though with the wings and essentially pushes the uh you know the paddy wagon full of hostages back up using his pack and whatever flew out of it, out of his wings. And it's really showing off more of like the new, you know, skill set and power set that the, that the new Captain America has. And again, no super soldier serum in Sam. So he's doing this, you know, kind of like with some assistance, but, you know, like technological assistance, which is very different from, you know, from Steve or from like anyone, all the other two guys that everyone else there is, is has super soldier serum, except Sam, and Sam's the one doing the heavy lifting in that scene. Yeah, no, that that's a very good point, and he, and he and I like that he's capable. Like it's it's yeah. it doesn't show him. It's not like he's he struggles or whatever. Like he has a different skill set, but he also knows how to use it. Like he is the aerial guy. That's always been his thing. That's why he's mm-hmm. the Falcon, right? Like because yeah. that was his military thing. So like this is he knows what to do, and I, I like that they they found moments to show that his form of Captain America 
is just as important as the Steve Rogers super soldier. Like that, yeah, they he can't do the same things, but he can do different things that Steve couldn't. And and I really yeah. appreciated them finding those moments for that. Yeah, and then when Sam goes out and, and, and saves a bunch of people, there's a moment there where there's like a, a couple of people that are bystanders. They have their camera phones out and stuff like that. Not a, not a guardrail like I, I was complaining about a couple episodes ago in like Spider-Man 3, like where there's people who everyone just sets up a, a, a section for fans in attendance. Like this is just people that just happen to be there. And one of the, this, this older guys is kind of like, man, there he goes, like Black Falcon. That comes back twice in this episode. And then the guy next to him is like, nah. But it was a, a really cool moment there where the guy next to him is like, no, that's Captain America. And like, yeah. man, that's that's it. This is, I mean, he's just, this whole episode is really solidifying him as just why he's Captain America, that he's officially Captain America and he's here. Um, yeah. Which I thought was actually some pretty cool stuff. Um, but then, um, Cap and, and Bucky and Walker track the uh, flag smashers into this building. Where actually, I'm, I'm sorry. Let, let me let me. Re, let, there's one moment I skipped over. I wanted to mention um, where there's a moment where they can Bucky and, and uh, Walker can take on the flag smashers and basically beat them to a pulp. He quotes Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. There and it, it, right. it, it was. Uh, and I'm, I should have wrote down the damn quote, but I, I didn't. But it's yeah, something along the line to say, hey, you know, like. No, it was it was something along the lines of, um, you know, instead of violence, you know, like swift justice can be done by, you know, like kind of like scaling it back. And then when they they're walking away, uh, Bucky's like, Lincoln, really? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good, you know. And then Bucky's just like, no, but it, not when you say it. It's not a good quote when you say it. Like they, you can see a little <laughs> bit of an interaction between them that was actually kind of funny, yeah. like lighting the mood at the moment. Um, but then they track the flag smashers into this like you know construction building and stuff like that. Uh, and Carly runs into Sharon for like a pretty huge moment that solidifies something that we've essentially been it's saying over over here for for a bit, uh, confirming where Sharon is the power broker. That's that that's the big moment that's that's laid mm -hmm. down here. Um, and she's just pretty much saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, you should come back and work for me and stuff. And Carly's like, well, you just need your muscle back and, and everything. That's how are you the power broker without having any kind of muscle behind you? And then Batrock shows up, and then it's all pieced together by Carly pretty much saying that, hey, listen, you know, you're working for, you know, the um, you're working for the power broker. And then he, I guess he, he officially finds out that Sharon's the power broker right there and confirms it as well. And he's like, well, you know, you're going to pay me four times my amount or I'm going to tell everybody you're the power broker. And she kills him. Yeah, she and does. She's <laughs> Batroc right there. Like, no hesitation. You're done, buddy. But then Carly <laughs> shoots Sharon. It was like a three-way, you know, yep. thing that was there. So at that moment, though, then Carly, Carly's the one who knows her, her secret. So that that goes ahead and um, into the into the next scene where Sam arrives on the scene. He sees Sharon shot. Doesn't re you know? Probably thinks that Carly did it, but he's there to kind of like s save the day and sees Carly with a gun, but won't really fight back to like beat the crap out of Carly. And Carly's getting frustrated, like hitting him and stuff yeah. like that. Like fight back! Come on, do this, do this! Like you know th this whole thing, and then Sharon shoots Carly. Sam sees it as, yep. oh, 
Yeah, Sam sees it as, oh, Sharon's helping out because she thought I was in trouble right. and things like that. Right. It's essentially like, that's the person that knows I'm a power broker, you're done. Yep. I'm taking you out. And I, I really like that Sam wouldn't fight back because, again, that goes back to Sam's like whole thing about helping vets, helping people who had gone through trauma. Like, he doesn't... Yeah. He even at that point, even with all Carly did, he didn't want to fight her. He wanted to reform her. He wanted to help her, which again is a very Captain America thing. So I think it's a really yeah. good way of allowing him to embody the ideals of Captain America in his own personal way of, you know, the way he reaches out to people and and he tries to help people. Um, but yeah, but then Sharon just caps her, and and I remembered thinking like, wow, Sharon's lucky she got shot because that like if Sharon didn't get shot then that might have put some question on her. Like, oh, how, well, what was going on? Or right, But, like, no, the fact that she's shot, there's no question. She could she could have capped Carly three times. It doesn't matter because you you assume that she got shot in fighting against this, this villain that you're fighting against. And so I really thought it was a clever way for them, them to sort of conceal the fact that Sharon's the power broker from our heroes. Yeah, I thought it was it was really really smart, really clever way to get that in. I actually sorry, I actually misspoke. So the scene that I want that is comes next was Walker Bucky with the NYPD when the Flag Smashers were getting arrested, and that's when he quotes Lincoln. Oh right, that's what it was. It was actually yeah. after that. So a little bit out of out of sequence, but not a big deal. If you're watching this, you've seen the damn episode. So I mean, I always I hope you've seen the episode. Otherwise, you probably should not be watching this unless you want it spoiled. Then. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so pretty much what happens after that is Sam go, uh, Sam takes uh, Carly's body and, you know, flies off and brings it, you know, to the EMTs and stuff like that. And there's this pretty cool shot where it's, like, on a bridge and he's coming down with the, you know, with the wings and everything. And not on a bridge. He's just coming down with the wings and hands off the body. And, you know, she's going ahead. And then the GRC members that are there that were hostages are on site there. And then he has – Sam has a whole – you know, he, he kind of talks to them a lot, just pretty much saying, like, look at to the extent, you know, of what you think about what you guys are doing and look at the extent someone's willing to die. And people all across the globe yeah. are backing her and their, her, you know, the Flag Smashers uh, goals here about this whole thing. You guys got to do a better job with this. You know, you need to understand what's going on here. There's a real struggle that, that's here. And that you need to just stop going ahead and just sending your troops in and just saying, oh, yeah, we're going to clean things up and stuff like that because they're going to call you terrorists. In their eyes, you're the terrorist. You're calling the Flag Smashers terrorists. Like, you know, it, it really is pretty much a, depends on your point of view. Yeah, I, I loved, loved, loved the fact that this became uh, Sam saying, you know, I condemn their actions but not their ideology. Like saying, yeah. no, they're right. The, the way they went about it is wrong, but they're right. And you have to see why they're seeing things like this because, you know, that's the way real change is going to happen. And I really, really, I really love that. Like coming from something like, like you know, this this is a superhero property, right? This is a Captain America property. Captain, mm -hmm. You know, you think America, you know, you just, just nationalism and the such. But this wasn't that. This was how do we... How do we understand what's fair? How do we really look at the world in a complex way and understand, okay, we can divorce the actions of these this these the small terrorist group from the ideas that forced them into action and really look at the ideas and understand there's something behind it and that things have to change. And that's kind of that's like the speech he gives. And I love that he 
gives that speech, like a Captain America, a black Captain America, which they make a big deal out of, right? This mm -hmm. is a big thing for the show. Um, yeah. Sort of taking on that mantle and saying, I have stopped the wrongdoers, but we all are complicit and we have to sort of look at why and look at how we can change for things to get better. And I thought that was such a great moment and a realistic moment. Like, you know, it's if we had a real Captain America, it's what kind of we need to hear today. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, no, you're hundred percent. I'm right in lockstep with you, and it's it's also shown. Sam's speech is also shown on TV, so they show different people seeing it all across, you know, the the MCU, and also Isaiah Bradley is one of the people who sees it, and it's it's, it's hitting home from him, and he's like, man, this is, this is it. Like this is it. We we have ourselves, you know, a black man is Captain America, and is he's doing it, and it, you can see it's it's really resonating with him. And, and hitting home, and it's like a it's a huge moment um, because especially the, the next scene is where he goes ahead. Actually, no, not the next scene. That's in a couple of scenes from there. But the next scene though is the flag smashers that we talked about that were brought in by the NYPD, and they are in a uh, paddy wagon. And as they go again, it's kind of like oh, you see a whole other thing, you know, one world, one people. So like oh shit, where are these guys going to get taken off to? And then the damn thing explodes. And then there's a cut to Zemo in the on the raft in prison, listening to a radio and then like getting news. And then we find out his butler, the butler did it. Yep, the, the damn butler, butler did, it. did it with the candlestick. And it, in the, in the <laughs> <laughs> man, I wish we could clue cover there. Clue. That's a great movie. <laughs> that is a great movie, actually. With the candlestick, with Colonel Mustard. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, but the, like the I that took me by surprise. I had to rewind that. I was like, I I missed it. I was like, what happened? Oh my god! And, and it's so subtle because Zemo just sort of goes <laughs> and he just kind of lays down. Like after hearing yeah. it, like the the about the explosion, it's like it's so subtle that he did it. And then I was talking to one of my students about it because uh, we, mm -hmm. you know, as I said, I talk to my students about yeah. this stuff after class, and they were like. Man, Zemo got the last laugh. Zemo was really the winner of this this show, and I'm like, yeah, he got everything he wanted. Yeah, he absolutely did. Zemo, Zemo won. Zemo danced again, even from prison. He did. Oh, he danced again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the next scene we get after that though is um, it's a scene where it's um, I'm not sure where it is. I'm assuming it's in Washington, where we see Val is there with Walker's wife. They're waiting for him to come yeah. out and stuff like that. And there's some pretty, you know, some humorous moments there where she's waiting for him to come out. It's taken forever. Uh, and then actually, I think Val even says right there, Zemo got the last laugh. Or did he? Oh, yeah. I maybe did. I did. Maybe yeah. I had something to do with it. Or maybe I didn't. Like Julie <laughs> Louis Dreyfus killing it again in the this, in this small scene she's gotten so far as Val. Yeah, um, and, and he then, calls her Val and she's like, don't call me that. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't call me that. Walker finally comes out, though, and he has. His black suit, which is the black, you know, they replaced the blue with the black, and it's his comics accurate U.S. agent suit. And then Val brands him, where you know what's coming up. We don't need a Captain America, we need a U.S. agent. And bang, there he goes. Officially, John Walker is the U.S. agent, and he's like, it kind of made me laugh too because I guess we're on a like the John Walker redemption part, or at least for a little bit here. And it's uh, he's like, yeah, I'm back. Back in the game, woo! Like he's just like, <laughs> woo! 
so hyped up about this. It was that actually made me laugh. It was it was pretty funny. I thought yeah, I thought that was a great moment. And the thing is, I just like this actor so much that like. I, I, I want to see some good John Walker stuff. Give give me some good guy John Walker stuff for a while, and then make him bad, and then make him good again. Like I don't care. I just want to see this actor in the MCU because I really enjoyed his performance throughout in this series. Yeah, no, he he was he was dynamite, man. He he really really did a great job in the, in the in the show. Um, so then Bucky goes ahead and meets up with his 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 older friend uh, whose son he killed, and that was something that they talked about earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. So they do go back and they they wrap up that whole thing. And he confesses to him and tells him that his son was murdered and that he was murdered by the Winter Soldier and that he didn't have a choice. Um, and then it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big moment there. And then we see him, um, Bucky's outside of the, I guess it's the sushi restaurant where he was you know, in like the first episode. And he's with the, uh, the bartender that was there and they're having a conversation. He's kind of giving a look and says, okay, you know, he looks like Bucky's got some a little bit of closure there. And then we show, they cut to his therapist with the book. So uh, Bucky apparently dropped off the book and crossed off all yeah. the names, you know, and, and essentially is like, you know, closing the door on that. And pretty much you would assume he's closing the door perhaps on being the Winter Soldier, you know, in, in general. He's now, you know, Bucky Barnes and the White Wolf and whatever, you know, other monikers he, he may yeah. pick up going forward. Yeah, um, he's, he's made his restitution. Like he's, he's, He's done what he set out to do. He he wronged people. He needed to write some things, and throughout this, he righted it. And you know, and I and I like that. I like the the symbolism of just the book with all the names crossed out because that book was a big. It kept coming back throughout the show, right? And it mm-hmm. was established. It was something from uh, from Steve Rogers. So the fact that there's closure with that book, and that is how we kind of find out that he's put his past behind him. I think that was really a powerful way to do that. Yeah, yeah. So along with uh, Sam's arc, you know, of becoming officially Captain America, Bucky's arc, I thought, closed out pretty nicely, too, where he's kind of like, you know, put his past behind him and he's going to move on. And there's also a moment earlier in the episode where he, Bucky's saving some people. And then, you know, people are thanking him, like, thank you, Sergeant Barnes, and things like that. And you can kind of see it's like, wow, I'm getting thanked now. I'm like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, because the stuff that we see him in Infinity War and stuff like that, no one's around. I mean, besides, I was the right. people that he's fighting in there, stuff like that. So there's none of that. So now it's just kind of like he's getting the gratification to say, you know, someone actually saying thank you for for what you've done and what you're doing. And I, you can tell it's it's definitely resting with him. Well, um, so then we get Sam visiting Isaiah Bradley. So he goes back to Baltimore, and then um, if I remember correctly, too, uh, he, his grandson calls him Black Falcon again, and he's just yeah. like, man, you got to learn some matters there. I thought it was pretty great that that <laughs> kept on coming back. Uh, but then he uh, he has a conversation with them, you know, and then he's just like, hey, you know, actually Isaiah corrects them and says, you know, he's not a Falcon no more, you know. And That's then, great. you know, yeah. you, you get that. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. They have a conversation there. Um, Sam's trying to, like, lighten things up with him, and then they even ask, like, do you ever lighten up? He's like, no, you know, his grandson's like, no, never. He, he doesn't lighten up. <laughs> But then Isaiah uh, tells him, he goes, listen, you're not, you're not Martin, you're not Malcolm, you know, you're not Nelson Mandela. And essentially, he's like, no, I know I'm not. I'm not trying to be any of those guys. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do it my way. I'm trying to do my own thing here. Uh, it might get me killed, you know, and, and, and you know, there might, you know, a lot of people might hate me out there for it, but I'm going to do what I got to do. 
and then he tells him he wants to go show him something. So and I thought it was a really, really awesome moment. And honestly, like, it, it maybe even like, a, you know, like choking up a little bit where he takes him to the Smithsonian, takes him to the Steve Rogers Captain America exhibit, and then they show, they reveal a statue of Isaiah Bradley and a whole part of the exhibit telling Isaiah Bradley's story of what he did, you know, for the country. And, you know, you could say his time as, you know, serving as a, as a Captain America. So I thought that was really cool. You can see it, it touched Isaiah a lot. It was it really hit home there. Yeah, and I think it was an important moment too because part of part of the arc, part of uh, Sam's arc, is sort of not just him becoming Captain America, but him sort of bringing you know the, shedding the light uh, in the places that mm-hmm. the dark places that you know the Captain America legacy ha- has sort of resided. You know, yeah. and I think Isaiah is one of those things in the sense that we you know we talked about he was tortured. And, and he wasn't able to see his family and all this stuff. And, and then he was a criminal and he got no recognition. So at least this is a symbolic, like, no, you know what? I, I'm not, it's not just me stepping up as Captain America. You were also Captain America. You also get some of this recognition. You also are part of this history. And, and now you are officially part of the canon history in this museum. And I thought that was, a again, a great like moment uh, sort of one of the finalizations of the arc that Sam was going through to be able to share that moment with Isaiah and give him that for his sacrifice and his service. Yeah, I thought it was it was really, again, hitting home and really, really outstanding stuff there. So then Sam and Bucky, they return to Louisiana and they're kind of like an, an, a party, like I guess by the boat and everything. And you see Bucky like holding up, uh, you know, playing around with like uh, Sam's uh, nieces and nephews and his nephews. I thought that was really cool. Everyone's just kind of yeah. like happy, he's having holding a good time. Them up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's like play fighting with them a little bit, and I guess like that. So I thought that was cool. I mean, I'm guessing that whole thing was resolved. They didn't really say specifically whether I, I guess the money was taken care of and they, they backed the business and everything like that. I I'm assuming that's what that that symbolizes. They don't actually say it, so that that was that's cool to see. Uh, but then there's a cool shot of like Sam and Bucky together, kind of like looking out. And then you get the title that drops, and it says Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So yeah. I, we joked about this. I thought, it honestly, because he's not the Winter Soldier either. So Sam's yeah. not the Falcon. He's Captain, should have been Captain America and the White Wolf. That's what I think. I agree. Because they do even reference White Wolf in, in this episode when uh, Dora Milaje They do. It. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so right. it's like it is an official uh, title. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I wish they would have gone with that because I think you're right. This whole thing, the whole the, the both of these arcs are putting the past behind us, right? I'm no longer Falcon. Mm-hmm. I'm Captain America. I'm no, and he's not escaping Falcon. He's embracing Captain America, whereas Bucky is escaping Winter Soldier. And I think they both get to the end of those arcs. So I would have liked to have seen both of their names changed to sort of represent that. But I mean, whatever. It was still a great it was still a great no, episode. It was a great it's still a great scene <laughs> and a great thing. I was just kind of it just crossed my mind after watching it again. But, yeah, no, yeah. I agree with you. I, I it would have been it would have been cooler if if they changed both of the names cuz he is the white wolf at this point. He's not the winter soldier yeah. as you said. Yeah, no, he's put that behind. But then we get a mid credit scene because this is the MCU and this is what happens especially in the final two. And Sharon getting a pardon from the U.S. government, and they even say, "Hey, you know, you have, 
Yeah, it, it, it's a pretty crazy thing. And then they, they say, yeah, you yeah. know, your old post, you can go back to it. So then she accepts it. She says it would be an honor. But then outside, she's walking away and she's on the phone with somebody pretty much saying, you know, super soldiers are off the menu right now. Well, we have access to a whole other thing now. So you can see she's still going on as a power broker. And she's kind of in the government now, and she can get a lot of stuff on, and, you know, pretty easily out to a lot of people. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I, was, I was curious to see where they're I'm dying to see where they're going to go with that, actually. I, I'm really curious about where they're going with that. And, I, but, and again, I think it makes sense. You know, I talked last time about how her character is disillusioned with the way the government treated her and the way everyone got pardons but her, and she was mm -hmm. left out in the wind. And so, like, now she, you know, she answers to her own, uh, she does her own thing now. And now she's using the government. And I, and I think also, too, like, this, this, this series, this season was a lot about legacy, right? Captain America's legacy. Who gets to take over Captain's, Captain America's legacy? Can you just assign someone as Captain America, or do they have to grow into and take on the part? But it's also about kind of the Carter legacy, right? Like, you know, yeah. Peggy Carter is this... You know, she founded Shield and she did all these great things, and now we have uh, what is she? Her granddaughter? Granddaughter, yeah. Or, like I don't granddaughter, and now we have her granddaughter like being kind of like a villainous mole within the government, and, and I think again it, it ties into the whole theme of legacies and changing these, and you know, does can you appoint a Captain America to some to someone like Peggy Carter and that sort of uh, heroism is that passed down by genes or is that something that's that you come into and learn? So I think it really worked well with what they were doing in the season. Uh, the fact that she's just like, yep, I'm going to sell all these secrets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like to the, by the way, it's actually not the granddaughter. It's Peggy's niece. It's her niece. Oh, Peggy's niece. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I, 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 let me correct myself as well. I was just thinking. Yeah. About no. That. No. I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure myself. So, but I mean, it's still the Carter family. It's still the Carter legacy. Yeah. Exactly. No. Absolutely. Um, so then we also saw on last Friday, though, a couple of hours after it dropped, that there was an announcement made that it, it leaked that there is a new Captain America movie in production. I mean, not in production. That that's it's in pre-production. They're going to have the showrunner be the writer of it. You know, I think it's Max uh, Max Spellman, uh, who's going to go ahead and do it, who oversaw this this series. And it, it's going to be Sam Wilson, you know, Sam Wilson's journey. My guess is the title will be Captain America Sam Wilson. Is probably what my, yeah. if I had to guess what I think the title would be, because we've had Captain America the First Avenger, Captain America the Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War. So my guess is it will be, Captain America, Sam Wilson will probably be the title of the of the upcoming film. No director has been announced or anything like that. Uh, so I'm curious to see if they just pick up all the storylines that were laid out in this series, continue it into the film. The MCU doing their you know thing where it's just like films, series, film, you know, like the arcs like intertwined yeah. between between both mediums. Yeah, so I think it'd be smart to do. Yeah, absolutely smart to do because this. This worked, and if like they they did they they set up so much like I would I have I would have no problem going to see a movie with Sam Captain America and you give me uh, White Wolf in it and you give me Sharon's broker and you throw in some USA agents like I I'm all I'm all aboard for that because this was fun as hell so I don't mind seeing it in a movie. 
Yeah, no, without question. So I think there was another thing that was actually really interesting too that when that came out, uh, was it today or is it maybe yesterday that the story came out? So they were also talking to the showrunner of the series and asked him some questions about it. Now, one thing he said was that he was thinking, considering trying to have Spider-Man appear in, in this series <laughs> and then Kevin Feige shot that down because he's just like, listen, the focus, that's going to take the focus away from Sam becoming Captain America. So we don't want that, which I think was a very smart move on, on Marvel's part yeah. uh, to do. But the other thing was there was talk of a Steve Rogers cameo. So there's oh. talk of a Steve Rogers cameo, and apparently Kevin Feige will not tell them where Steve Rogers is. He just keeps saying Steve Rogers is gone. Oh, so so the conversations we've been having going back and forth, no one knows but Feige? <laughs> Apparently nobody knows but Feige, so they have not actually said whether whether Steve is dead or is he just old man Steve Rogers. So <laughs> I love still that. technically I, love up, that. I thought it was awesome actually that nobody actually knows. I love Kevin Feige playing it close to the vest like this, you know, and still leaving the door open to that speculation of is that story that we talked about on our first episode of Chris Evans coming back in some shape or form as Steve Rogers. And that story did say Steve Rogers and never said anything about Chris Evans coming back as Captain America. So I think that's also important yeah, it's a, to note. Yep. Because, again, I don't think we're ever seeing Steve – not never, never say never again, as James Bond taught us. But yes. I don't think in the foreseeable future we're seeing Chris Evans in the Captain America outfit again. But it, I, I would not put it past them to have him do a, a, a Steve Rogers cameo. No, and I think it would be as old man Steve Rogers or – or, or alternate universe or, or something like that. I mean, right. I, I think right. Sam is Captain America, and that's that's pretty much that moving forward. So I think if we do see Chris Evans, it will not be as technically as the MCU's Captain America. I think that's that, that's kind of safe to say, but we'll, we'll see when that, when that actually plays out. So uh, no MCU for us for a little while, not until Loki, man. They're not going to have yeah, any MCU June? content. Yeah, it's going to be June. So we're going to go Man. about a month or so without no MCU. This is going to be kind of nuts. It's, it's well, weird. I think maybe we're going to start dipping into Marvel films soon then. Oh, well, perhaps. Perhaps pre-MCU I mean, Marvel films before we get to that. Uh, I never said MCU films. I said Marvel films. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um all right, so why don't we get to our movie of the week? You know, it's, All right. it's a pretty big one that I dropped. Uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you, know, you can't really get into it without actually having the song play on, on some level. You need it. So we're gonna we're ex, you know we're spreading our wings a little bit as Sam Wilson is now as, as Captain America, and we're gonna go outside of the comic book genre for some content here and go into the video game genre. Uh, some people on our page, mainly Professor, was talking about some uh, video game stuff and things like that on here, and I'm kind of like you know something, maybe we could go outside of the comic book genre and and tackle some uh, some video game stuff. So we got to on the same day. Go ahead. 
I know, and the fact that I really, really, really want to get Tony to watch Super Mario Brothers and hear his thoughts on it. When when Eddie texted me and asked me my opinion, I was like, I'm all for it for that reason. Bring on Super Mario Brothers. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we've opened ourselves up to some really interesting stuff now. Oh, if we're going to start talking about video you, game movies. We've opened a Pandora's box that cannot be closed, my friend. <laughs> Um, all right, so yeah, this dropped on. Uh, both of us watched it on HBO Max. We didn't go to the theater to to check this out because if you can get it for free at home, really, why why would you? Um, <laughs> it, it would take a special kind of movie to really go out there and and uh, and check that out. As I did see Godzilla vs Kong on IMAX because that just kind of needs to be seen on a a massive screen. Uh, Mortal Kombat. I mean, I think a regular screen kind of does it some does it justice. Um. All right. So, so I watched this film twice. I just watched it for the second time before we we went on, and I, I wrapped it up about an hour before we we started the show. Um, I dug it a lot more the second time around. I wasn't I, the first time around. I watched it, and I was like super tired, so I think I kind of dozed off a bit at times. Not that it, out of disinterest, but simply because I was just genuinely just tired. Um, and I'm someone who's a fan of the video games. I loved Mortal Kombat. I love Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat 3. I didn't like so much. I played a couple of the other ones after that sporadically uh, until I ended up retiring from video games in general just for whatever reason that is. But fighting games are always been like fighting games and sports games have always been like my two favorites. Mortal Kombat was one of them. Um, so I, I think the movie, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't expect an Oscar winner. I didn't expect Citizen Kane. I, I was not going for this. I'm watching Mortal Kombat. Um, so I, I want to see some cool, give me some cool CGI, some cool action sequences, give me a coherent story. And I'm, and I'm going to be, and I'm going to be satisfied. And I was, I was satisfied. The first time around I saw the movie, I was like, eh, okay. There's nothing to write home about. I'm not saying it's the greatest thing ever, but I, I, I was entertained. I enjoyed it. Um, I did like it. I uh, it's a vast improvement over the uh, original. What was it? The nineteen ninety three, ninety four. I believe that that came out. Christopher Lambert as Raiden. Oh yeah, that was. I mean, listen for its time. Me, me dude, me and Burr and, and these guys, we saw that shit in a Ridgewood theater like a hundred times. I swear. Oh to my god, god. We, we were like obsessed Ridgewood with theater. it. Oh yeah, with the butter on the floor, and the rats running around in there. Oh, it was, it was the disgusting. dead body four four rows back. Right? Did they find a exactly. dead body in the Ridgewood Theater? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could have been there since like Taxi Driver came out. I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> Ridgewood Theater is an interesting, a really really interesting uh, scenario. I saw some pretty, I saw some crazy shit in that theater. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> I, think I, I saw Short Short Circuit 2 there when I was a kid. <laughs> it's I the saw only time I've been to the Ridgewood Theater. No, dude, I, that was my theater, man, at, at one point. I, I saw Transformers the movie there. I saw um, Mortal Kombat there a bunch of times. I saw a double feature when they actually sold double features like this. I'll never forget. It was Jurassic Park and Last Action Hero as one oh, double wow. feature. What? It was, was awesome. Great double feature. Oh, Those are two are great you, movies, dude. You are you are you are a huge fan. You like Last Action Hero also because that movie got a lot of shit when okay. it came out. 
like I fight people who tell me that that that's a bad movie. You could tell me you don't like it because that that's fine, but you can't tell me it's a bad movie. That movie was ahead of its time. That movie was. was doing postmodern like commentary on action movies while action movies were still being made, so people uh -huh. didn't get the joke. But that is a very funny, very clever movie if you watch it as a satire on action movies, which is what it is. Yeah. Every single, that's all it was supposed to be. And the fact that Arnold did it is what I think confused people, but he was in on the joke. It didn't matter. Right, exactly. I love the, I love the end where, they, where he's like dying. He's like, he's like bleeding out and they put him back in. It's like, get up. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, they were just, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. <laughs> yeah, I know Bar Bear and Tim are also big fans of Last Action Hero. I'm glad I'm glad you're part of this the, the last action hero cult there because I, 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 I love it. It's because it, it's just such a fun movie. And again, it's very smart. I uh, like it, it it's is. not just fun. It, it's the, the it's making fun of tropes in action movies that if you watch action movies of that time and in the 80s, like you can see where it's why it's making fun of it. Like I don't understand people who go, Well, oh, this was a crappy movie. It's like, no, you might not have liked it because it wasn't an action movie, but it's it's a good movie. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's immensely entertaining. I also love Arnold Schwarzenegger. So if you put yeah, Arnold I, I just about anything, I'm gonna be there. I got a soft spot for him. I, I hate to admit it, but I do. <laughs> Even oh, his I, comedies, man. Even Kindergarten, oh, yeah. Kindergarten Cop, Cop man, is great. Yeah, absolutely. I I had a student um, tell me that he just saw Kindergarten Cop, right, recently and he loved it. And then he was telling me about Kindergarten Cop 2. So as a joke, I went, all right, well, you know, write a review and put it on Google Classroom. Maybe I'll watch it. He wrote a review of it. He liked that as well. And I was just like, wow. how is Kindergarten Cops still playing? Like, how, how do how do kids like who are in high school still enjoy this stuff? But they do. That's that's actually really cool to hear. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm happy to hear that, man. Love Kindergarten Cops. And there's still hope for the youth. <laughs> that's a great movie. <laughs> well, all right. Let's let we we've gone off the rails. We've gone into into yeah. last session here. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, sorry about that. We'll rein it back in. But if you do live Listen. in Queens and Ridgewood or Glendale, the Ridgewood Theater on our age, it, it holds us. We'll hold a special weird place in our, in our hearts for the Ridgewood Theater. Um, so I think that the uh, the after the opening scene in in this Mortal Kombat was fantastic with uh, Sub Zero and Scorpion, and that whole mm -hmm. thing was 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 pretty great. Where Sub Zero goes in and, and Wipes out his family, and they establish the uh, the rivalry between the two. Something that the original movie didn't touch on at all. Like they were Sub Zero and, and Scorpion were totally shit on in that movie. Yeah, that was my biggest problem with that original movie. Was I think Scorpion and Sub Zero are probably your two most popular characters in this franchise, mm -hmm. and they were just mindless zombies. They were just bodies to yeah. fight. And and there was nothing of their story. And I, what I really appreciated about this one was they gave you, whether you liked it or not, they gave you their story. They gave you their rivalry. And I thought that I I, I appreciated that as a fan of the, the of the game. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was tremendous. Um, I also loved how Sub Zero uh, took out Jax in their fight, where they actually gave the explanation <laughs> of how Jax lost yep. his arms and he freezes them off. And you know, it pretty much you know explodes them. 
And he throws Jax off this whole thing, which, by the way, the way Jax would have landed, he would have been dead. I'm sorry. He would have been like... Oh, no, no, yeah, no. I actually, because I actually got my wife to watch this, Regina to watch it with me, because she used to play this game as a kid. So I was like, hey, let's watch this together. So so we watched it, and I turned, and I was like, oh, man, they killed Jax pretty quickly. I like the dude who was playing him. I wanted to see more of him. And then when they brought him back, I was like, I don't know, man. And that looked pretty fatal. You you." tore his arms off and knocked him down two stories like yeah and i got excited it's funny i got excited when the tearing of the, tearing of the arms off because i know from the video game from mortal kombat 2 jax right. has metal arms so you knew that that was a right. thing which is that you kind of threw him in face first off of like two stories of a building you kind of like eh, i think this guy's dead whatever it's all about mortal kombat <laughs> who cares uh, i'll let it go um Kano's original fatality featured in it was a huge high point for me where he rips the heart out of that thing. Kano was my favorite character in this movie. I think I thought he was tremendous. Kano was everyone's favorite character. The the man was amazing. The character was amazing. Uh, And and let me tell you the moment I was all aboard this movie, right? Because I have these moments, and this is this is a crazy movie. This is a movie that again, it it's not Citizen Kane. I didn't I didn't want it to be. I wanted no. a crazy fucking action movie with fighting and and, and ridiculous over the top gore like the like the game, and that's what I got. And the moment I was all in on this movie is when Kano rips out the lizard still beating heart and goes, <laughs> Kano wins. I was like, yes, 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 yes he does. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Oh man. <laughs> it's, it's like, I see people complaining about this movie. It's like, this is a Mortal Kombat movie. What did you want from it? Did you, did you want Kano reciting Shakespeare? Yeah, exactly. Come on guys. Like, Lighten up, and if you're not familiar with the source material, I can see where you're like, "All right, this is probably ridiculous." But if you're familiar with it on any level, you got you got everything you wanted, you know. So we got Arcano fatality. Uh, by the way, one thing I will say too is that the the dialogue throughout the movie is whatever. And again, I'm gonna let that I'll let that go. It's not a no, big it's deal. horrendous. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. <laughs> but I will say though, Kano gets all the great dialogue. Throughout oh, the yeah, entire yeah, yeah. movie, every one-liner is it's, hit where he's making fun of it, essentially. It's, it's like so this actor point. brought in this actor brought in his own writer to punch up the script. It's like, oh, I, I've just hired this guy to punch up the script, yeah, so I actually have some interesting things to say. Because he gets uh-huh. every, you're right, he gets every good line. Like, every funny line is his, <laughs> every funny moment is his. Like, he literally steals the show from everyone in this movie. And if you told me going into this, by the way, Kano is going to be the guy you're going to like the most, I'd be like, get the hell out of here. Like, what are you talking about? No one likes Kano in the game. No. I hated Kano in the game because, A, he was hard and he used to kick my ass. And, B, no. he was not fun to play as. So it's like no. it's not even like he's hard and I get to play as him and I get to kick ass. No, he sucks when you play as him. Yeah, he's just like a, in the game. He's just not that cool, except for the fatality, which ripping someone still beating hard at is cool. But you don't want to get to that point because you don't want to play a match as him. Exactly. <laughs> <He sucks>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, by the way, so Sonya Sonya offers him three million dollars to go ahead and go on this adventure with it, and he believes that is like, oh yeah, uh, no, was it two million? No, make it three million. And he's like, okay. But it's actually hilarious when he goes inside Sonya's trailer or whatever the hell that was, and uh, was it um. I'm sorry, Cole Young is like, you're $3 oh, million? Yeah. And she's like, 
no, I don't. I live in this shithole. What, what makes yeah. you think I have three million dollars? Like Kano, like what the hell are you doing, man? I thought that was actually <laughs> hilarious. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was really funny too. It, it's but again, it's one of those things like it, it's it's a Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> but I'm glad they acknowledged they to... it. Like they were so aware of yes. it. Yes, that I thought was actually and, smart. And I think that's what I like about this movie is it's completely self aware of what it is. Like yeah. you know when like when when you eventually get to the close to the end of the movie where they isolate these guys to get one on one fights like that's mm-hmm. the plan like all right they want to stop the Mortal Kombat let's force them into it so now let us use the plot device which forces us to have pretty much I don't know forty five minutes of nothing but fight scenes in this movie because mm-hmm. that's what this movie is. Like, but again, they're acknowledging that yes, this is what we're doing. We're setting this up for a fight because that's the fucking movie. It's a it's a exactly. video game that was a fighting game. Yeah, like and, and for for a fighting game, it did have like a lot of story mm-hmm. over the years. Like it started to get like a lot of um um what's the word I'm looking for. I don't know, whatever. Mortal Kombat developed a whole like mythology. There you go. A whole mythology behind right, right. it. Where Street Street Fighter and everything, not really so much, which is you see what happens. You get Van Damme as Guile back then, and that's uh, what you get with the Street Fighter movies. Oh man, that's brutal. Um You know but, you know I've still never seen that movie. Are you serious? I guess where I, I saw mean, Street Fighter. Original guess theater? What movie did I yes, I did. <laughs> I, I I went with Burr and Steve and all those guys and we came out of that movie theater so pissed off. It was amazing. Oh. We were furious. <laughs> I have to watch it at some point. I mean, I've just heard so many things about it. I've heard how bad it is. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't think I can do it. But if we you do it for this show, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> Guess what? If you if you're gonna if you're gonna subject us to watching Super Mario Brothers again, which I thought I would never ah. do in my life. Then guess what, my friend? You're gonna watch Street yes. Fighter, and you're gonna see coked up yes. Jean Claude Van Damme. You're gonna see Kylie Minogue. You're gonna see uh, uh, like insanity. You're gonna see Raul Julia's I mean, last in, movie. Which, look, in all seriousness, that makes me sad. It is that really depresses sad, the hell out of me. That the great Raul Julia, who was like Gomez Adams, but also was Man of La Mancha on Broadway and did all of these wonderful things, his last role was M. Bison in the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> yeah, that's something that the universe just got wrong. Like you can't, you can't do yeah, that. It's not right. It's not right. right. But some of the cool things I've also saw the fatalities in this movie, like I said about Kano's, I thought was really cool. Yeah. Jax's fatality, the smash into the head, was directly from the game. I thought that, that was cool. great. Liu Kang's dragon from the game where he goes and mm-hmm. bites this dude in half was nothing. That's fantastic. Liu Kang's scissor kick from the game where he gets pissed off at that dude and he's like. He does the whole bicycle kick thing. I thought that was great. I don't care about the logic behind it. Who gives a shit? I got to see Liu Kang do a bicycle kick in live action. I'm happy. Um, and the fight at the end between Scorpion and Sub-Zero when Scorpion is basically gone in the entire movie. And he shows up. And I thought it was actually kind of funny because they're speaking in – and they make an emphasis that they're speaking Japanese and Chinese to each other between yes. Sub-Zero. But the only English line he said well, – either one of them says is, Get over here! I was like, I mm-hmm. don't care. It, it, whatever. Fine. You gave it to me. It's it's a Mortal Kombat movie. It. It's you a Mortal it Kombat me. movie. I don't care. My, and my I, I have to admit that I... <laughs> no, no. I, and, I, and I liked a lot. I liked that they went out of their way to create a 
again, I said it before, uh, a Sub-Zero Scorpion thing in the last battle we get is them. Because that's, again, those are the two characters that people really walk away from Mortal Kombat remembering and liking. And, like, you know, Sub-Zero, like, um, like, historically gets shit on and he's always getting his ass kicked certain like incarnations of of things uh and scorpion like shows up in even in like the injustice games and the such so the fact that we actually get to see them have personalities and and have this sort of feud that and it's their feud that is at the backbone of the story the plot of this movie because cole is a descendant of scorpion and so i thought that was really cool um so I and I think there's the the tease at the end with Cole Young when he's going to Hollywood to go recruit Johnny Cage. Yes, I thought it was tremendous. I can't wait to see who they get to play Johnny Cage. I know people online were advocating for the Miz from WWE, or even like people mm-hmm. were talking about Ryan Reynolds being Johnny Cage. I was like, yeah, wow, that. that would be now that would be something. That would be something. You know what? I could see Ryan Reynolds doing that if he's a fan of this of this game, like. Because he's a guy who would go, oh, I like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I'll play Johnny Cage. Like I could see him doing that. Yeah, exactly. And he could totally nail that and 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 be that. I think the Miz would be pretty cool too, because he kind of has that like Johnny Cage persona in, in WWE. Yeah. So I, I I can I can see that. Um, my biggest knock against this movie, besides, I mean, I I didn't like the Cole Young character at all. Like no, I I'm thought he was That's... useless. That's my, that's actually my biggest knock on the movie too. Yeah, like you yeah. could have just had Scorpion and Sub Zero still do their thing, and Cole Young really not needed, even though it's like they tried to push him to the forefront really hard. I yeah, I th- I thought uh, where I thought they were going, and I, and I they, and they didn't is I thought that his power was going to be to like take on the the soul of, of his ancestor and become Scorpion. Like that's yeah. where I thought they were leading. Cause I know Cole was like, that's a guy they made up for this movie. So I kind of thought until that last battle, when Scorpion comes in his own guy, I thought that that was going to be his power. Like his, he was kind of lame. His power was, he gets a shirt and some sticks like, you know, yeah. his mana, which, you know, which, who cares what it's called? But his whole power is he gets that, and it, that I, I didn't really think that. I, I thought he was. They needed to do more with him, or they needed to just not have him in it. Like this, Liu Kang could have been the the protagonist of this this movie. He typically is. Uh, he typically is in Mortal yes. Kombat. Yeah. I mean, Liu, Liu Kang could have done everything this guy did, and they just didn't have Liu Kang in the temple. It was just uh, what's his face, the guy with the hat. Um, yeah, Kung Lao. You know, uh, Kung Lao. That's it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why Cole was there and kind of and kind of lame, as I said, as I think, to be honest. Yeah, he's just whatever. And, I, and the fact that he kills Goro, I was like, really? I, yeah, really. Goro's a big deal in Mortal Kombat mythology. Yeah, like, really. Cole, you're this genre and, and- guy. As someone who's fight fighted uh, fighted, <laughs> as someone who's fight Goro, uh, who's fight Goro, uh, he's a pain in the, <laughs> the balls. He's hard. I've I've played him in that game. He he doesn't go down easily. The fact that this non character gets to take him down that was ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was totally bullshit. Um, who who did right, so who did who was your favorite character or characters to play as play as in, in Mortal Kombat? Uh, so it was Scorpion and Sub Zero. Um, Scorpion. Okay. Because I, he was the only one whose fatality I had figured out when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. 
so I and, and I could always do because it was yeah. kind of easy. It was like back, back, forward. Um, yes, yeah, so I think it was also. I, I, I'm a big, like, I'm, I'm bad at fighting games, so okay. anyone who gives me, like, a cheesy advantage, I take, and when you, like, do the get over here, you have a time mm -hmm. to wail on the person you brought over, <laughs> and Sub-Zero for the same thing, because I freeze people, go up and beat the hell out of them. Everyone else I lack the skill to play as. <laughs> yeah, my favorite character to use in, uh, at least in the first two Mortal Kombat games, I, I love Raiden a lot. Uh, I also oh, love Raiden, Scorpion. Yeah. Scorpion, Sub-Zero, um, Liu Kang was like the super cheese guy. Like, if you were playing against somebody and you really wanted to be, like, really cheesy to them and just the fighting game term of cheese, um, Liu Kang was the guy to use because you just couldn't get two seconds to breathe with if you just kept on doing his moves over and over again. And I liked Johnny Cage a lot. I used to love using Johnny I Cage did, when yeah. he used to do the split and, the, like, punching the balls. And then, you know, he did the awesome. uppercut. Yeah. Um so yeah, that, that was those are my guys that, that I really liked it, and I I want to play the later games too because which I never got a chance. I know it got crazy where they had RoboCop in it and Terminator and Freddy Krueger and oh yeah, no, they wow. went all batshit crazy with with they got the licenses to everything. I want to play a fighting game and be Freddy Krueger and do a fatality to somebody. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Come on, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> So, all right. Uh, so, I guess overall thought of it, though. So, I guess we both enjoyed it. We, what was the scene you wanted yeah. to talk to me about? No, no, no. The scene was the the, the fatality, Kano's fatality, because that was the, oh, again, that okay. was the moment where I was all on board with this because it was like this is crazy. I didn't expect this level of craziness. And like, and like, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not sitting here saying this is a good movie, a good artistic movie. It's not. It, no. It's it's a Mortal Kombat movie. I, you know, as you said at the top, it's not Citizen Kane. You don't expect it to be. But like, the dialogue is not great. But who cares? The no. the I think actually I give credit to the plot because this movie tries to have a plot. I don't think the originals did. The originals were just. It's a fighting tournament. This actually tries to have a plot and reasoning, and and they try to explain. I, I've I've read I read online some people hated the fact that they called the powers mana. And it's like, but, but it's superpowers. What do you want? It's it's Who just cares? it didn't have a name, and they're just giving it a name. Like so, that's the thing. I think you you enjoy this movie as much as you anticipate it. Like, if you think you're walking into something great and huge and prolific, you're going to be disappointed. But you're going to be disappointed. I don't think there's a video game movie that is that, you know? This is, I think, a really good video game movie that does some fan service. It does a lot of good action. I think the action is good. The CGI is good. And I... You know, at the end of it, I couldn't... I will probably never watch it again after we talk about it. Maybe I'll catch it on cable, not because I don't like it, because I've already seen it, but it's like, it's a fun ride. I would definitely watch it, like, for the first time if I haven't seen it yeah. yet. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. I mean, like I said, I, I ended up watching it again uh, today just to make sure that I got a completely wide-awake version of it, and I, I found myself enjoying it. So and I, I look forward to, I hope they get their sequel that they've set up. That's the one thing, too, I'll say about this movie, though, is it does feel like a setup movie. Overall, it yeah, kind of does. Feel, I don't know if it really stands on its own completely. So hopefully, we get the setup movie with the actual tournament, mm. and we can see, you know, wh where the hell it goes. And I hope we do get more of the same. Honestly, I hope we get. Don't go too crazy. I want to see Kano back because if you don't have Kano, then I might lose my mind. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. No, he was. He's he's what we're going there. And I can't believe I said that out loud. And just I never thought about it until right now. <laughs> right, right. Kano. Who ever thought when I was a kid, if you told me Kano was going to be my favorite character in a Mortal Kombat franchise, I'd tell you you were crazy. It's 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 really really hard to believe. Um, but yeah, and, and if you, I think it jumped on HBO Max though. But if you are into Mortal Kombat though. You should check out Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge. It was an animated movie that dropped uh, last year that came out. And I and I watched it. I was you know waiting for it because I needed it was during quarantine when we literally weren't going anywhere. And I bought the animated movie immediately on digital. It is awesome. I will actually say comparatively, and I'm not it's not a knock against this movie, Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge is better. It's better and it's actually it. just as violent, if not more violent. It, it, and it focuses, obviously, being called Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge. You can see it focuses on Scorpion. But I bet you Kano isn't as fun in it. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do not get the awesome Kano in it. So if you're looking for awesome Kano, no, don't, do not watch that. Then skip over it. It's, it's not good. <laughs> oh, man. I was, I was actually going to start writing down his one-liners, but they were coming so fast and furious. I, oh. I couldn't keep up with it. I was just like, yeah. No, there's... They're so good. And I love that scene when he turns on them. I love that yes. he turns on them. Like, they're just like, yes. hey, you know, if you uh, let us in, you'll we give you riches. Oh, okay. Like, because it was just, again, like, why did these guys think this guy was going to help them? What, what idiots. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. And so he's owed $3 million by Sonya. And apparently there's riches and money that Shang Tsung, I guess, was going to give him too. I don't know. Right. Kano, you also got to start checking people's, like, Net worth, I think, right. before you start accepting then, these deals from people. Yeah, he when you're to, resurrected, he needs to run some credit, some credit scores, you know, <laughs> some credit checks. Yeah, that's it, it'll it'll work out better next time when you're when you're resurrected by Shang Tsung for the sequel. So just just remember right, that. exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess that wraps up this episode of Granny's Peach Tea. Um. Next week, we will be back. We will not have MCU content for a little bit, but we will have a bunch of CW stuff since Legends of Tomorrow comes back on uh, Sunday for its new season. Uh, we're ex we're, Jason's excited for Batwoman be coming back, so I know we, we, have, we have that. Uh, Black <laughs> and Supergirl. Will, uh, and Flash, Flash is back, actually, too. So we have, hold on, oh, one, wow. two. Oh, wow, the full compliment. We have five CW shows. To cover next week, wow. along with Sin City, which but, we will do next week. We are not going to supersede we'll Sin next City week. But we're yeah. but we don't have Invincible, and we don't have an MCU thing. So I guess it kind of the CW. I guess that's going to be the majority of what we're talking about. That. Yeah, uh, we'll, I, we'll I wonder if we're actually going to get a if Melissa Benoist is going to you know get get some time away from whatever movie she's shooting to come and do her show. I, or I, this yeah, could be I'd another like Supergirl's <laughs> episode. I would like to see uh, Melissa Benoist on Supergirl next week. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for this. I would, I would be excited if we get to see this. And she's not in the Phantom Zone. Maybe would, this is the episode where she right. leaves the Phantom Zone. I don't know. Just throwing, and, and come, throwing shit at the wall. And something and interesting. Space. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Just, <laughs> maybe pa maybe Painkiller can rescue her. We can have a crossover. Why not? Maybe she's with Kate Kane. I don't know. Maybe that's where maybe that's where Carl Danvers is. <laughs> what do you got to ruin Supergirl for me? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I screwed up there. I, I went for it and <laughs> I, I ruined it. I don't want to ruin anyone's weekend. Um, all right. So th thanks for joining us. 
Again, from whatever medium it is, if you liked what you saw here and you're on Facebook, join our uh, Grainy's PhD Facebook group on Join the Pop Culture Pros group. Uh, next week, if you want to check out, we got A to Z with Eric coming out on, on Monday. And after that, there will be the Empire 161 show. Me and Jerry will be back to be talking about the week in Yankees baseball. On Tuesday, we got the Just Too Sweet show if you're into wrestling with Eric again. And he's also having a bunch of special guests on. So you'll have that in a four-quarter show with Dave. Um, Wednesday is to put it in a book show. And then we will be back next Wednesday as we for our next episode. We'll be back in our regular Wednesday night home at 8.30. So we will check you guys out then. Um, let me think. Am I leaving anyone else out? Um, oh, um, Stream Stream Wars Pros. They were actually on last night. They covered a bunch of stuff. They talk about a lot of the streaming services and the shows that are on them. I know they briefly talked about Falcon Winter Soldier and everything like that. So they're our, our sister show, so check them out. I know they're on the last Thursday of every month. So they did their show uh, yesterday. They'll be back some ne next month, so check that out. It's a pretty wild concept they got going on there. And Jader and Kyle are, are going to be on. I'm not sure what movie that uh, that they're talking about this week or what day they're on since they float around as well. So if you're into movies, check them out. They do a fantastic job covering uh, all kinds of movies. So uh, Jason, any final thoughts? Uh, no, man. Just have a great week, guys. It was great talking to you, Ed. I'm glad we got to uh, hash out some Mortal Kombat stuff, and I'm looking forward to next Wednesday. Absolutely, dude. I always love talking about this stuff. Uh, everyone, have a great weekend. Uh, stay safe. Uh, wear your mask. Get vaccinated wherever you are. Do your thing for this whole thing, and we'll get out of this, and we'll all be able to have our own Mortal Kombat tournament, perhaps. One day without any masks yeah, yeah, on, yeah. exactly in in, in person. Yeah. So, <laughs> and we can dance like Zemo after we after we win. So, all right, have a good night, everybody. Peace. Peace.